0: Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic, Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode, I wanted to talk with you briefly about imperfect action. What am I talking about? Well, I find that as a parent, sometimes we get paralyzed and don't actually take steps to make our lives easier or better because we're afraid that we might not do things right. And when it comes to parenting kids and dogs at the same time, we can't really afford to wait or to hope that we can somehow figure it out on our own. We need to take action sooner than later, even if it's not going to be perfect, because the safety of our kids and dogs is at stake. So I don't want to be a downer, but I have to tell you that your dog does have teeth, and it is possible that your dog will use their teeth on your child, on you, on your other dog, on your cat, maybe because of frustration, maybe because of any number of other triggering events. That can cause injury, of course, to members of your household, but it can also be ultra damaging and could be a life sentence or a death sentence actually, for your dog. So we need to take action as soon as we start to get those tingly hairs on the back of our neck where we say, you know what, I'm really not sure if I'm super happy about how my dog is behaving in these circumstances, or I'm kind of stressed out about this activity that my dog is doing, or I don't like how my dog is staring at my baby, it's making me nervous. So we need to start to take action. Now the good news is I I don't expect that you will figure out how to take action all by yourself, but the focus of today's brief episode is going to be about taking baby steps. Now I know baby steps, we often refer to them as our little kids are learning how to walk and they are stumbling around and they fall down all the time and they're so cute and wobbly But we need to also take baby steps as we navigate how to parent kids and dogs at the same time. So I don't want you to think the baby steps are just for babies. I want you to realize that you need to take baby steps of your own as a parent trying to make life easier and safer and less overwhelming when you've got kids and dogs in the house at the same time. So I'm going to encourage you, take imperfect action because we can improve your dog's behavior bit by bit by bit. Now, we're not going to expect miracles over the first day or maybe even over the first week or the first month. But if you put in a few minutes a day or a few minutes whenever you can manage it, you're going to make progress with your dog. So let's talk about a couple of examples in which you could benefit from trying some baby steps of your own. So I'm going to start by talking about a foster dog that I just had. Her name was Aspen. She was a baby lab mix, and she had never lived inside before. She had calluses on her elbows, which demonstrated that she had spent pretty much her entire life, which was only about 12 weeks long, outside on the pavement. So it was really sad. So she had no idea what it was like to spend any time inside of a pen. But when she was at my house, she had to be confined every once in a while because I have two other dogs that I need to juggle and manage. Plus, sometimes you just need to sit on the toilet or go take a shower or drain your spaghetti water and not worry that you're going to trip on a dog underfoot. So we had to start slowly. The first time I put her in a pen, she was fine, and I think that's because she was just tired and overwhelmed and she didn't know what to do. But pretty quickly thereafter, she started to protest, and she would put her paws up on the pen, which would cause it to move around my kitchen floor, and it didn't feel very stable. So then I needed to try new strategies piece by piece to try to see what I could do to help her change how she was feeling when she was confined inside the pen. Now, I'm not going to talk about all of those steps here. You can certainly get on the wait list of my membership, the Pooch Parenting Society, or talk to me privately about how to make progress on something specific. We can come up with a training plan for that. But my point here is to say that even though I'm a dog trainer, I have to work with the dog in front of me. And in this case, baby Aspen had no idea what I was asking of her. And so we had to start slowly. And in doing so, we built up her confidence and we built up our skills together so that she could be comfortable in a pen so that I could function as a parent. And... Running my household, right? So that is simply one example of baby steps. Another example was today I took Pippin on a hike. He may bark in a second, so I apologize. I took him on a hike and he was on a long line and he was doing great coming to me every time I called. He was paying a lot of attention to me. And so we got to one part of the trail where I could see all around me and I could see that there were no other dogs coming. And the reason I was concerned about other dogs is I just don't know if I can trust somebody else's dog with my small breed dog. So I found a place. The coast was clear. I let him off the leash and he ran around and had a great time. And then I put a stop to it after about five minutes. Baby steps, right? I needed to set him up for success briefly. And then we went back on the leash and finished our walk. I was setting both of us up for success. I wasn't sure who would pop up from over a hill or around a corner, or if a rabbit or a coyote would dash by, and I might lose control of the situation because of environmental stimuli that I had no control over. But by taking imperfect action, we both had a really great time. And we had some moments of success. He enjoyed himself off the leash, and I enjoyed watching him off the leash. But we ended it before anything could go south. So the final example that I want to share with you about baby steps and imperfect action is with a client that I'm currently seeing. Her name is Mary, and she is the primary caregiver of her baby granddaughter. So she brings her dog with her to the granddaughter's house, And the dog is very uncomfortable around the baby. And so what we're working on in baby steps is giving the dog a reward every time the baby cries. Why on earth would I pay the dog when the baby cries? Well, the dog has a history of being really uncomfortable around the baby and has been growling and being generally uncomfortable for several months now. So she's got a pretty long history of some pretty negative feelings and we need to try our hardest to change how he feels around the baby. Now, one of this dog's triggers happens to be when the baby is fussing. So what we're doing is we're tossing the dog some goodies when the baby fusses. In the long run, we're hoping that this is going to change how the dog feels every time the baby fusses, right? If we can get the dog to equate, the baby is fussing, I'm going to get paid for treats, then hopefully we can change how the dog feels when that stimuli happens. Makes sense, right? But this is going to take time. And Mary was feeling a little bit frustrated because she wanted the dog to feel better immediately. And we needed to have a realistic conversation about the months and months and months of stress hormones that this dog has been experiencing up until now, and that we can't actually expect the dog to be healed instantly just because we throw some treats at it. Changing opinions and changing feelings takes a lot of time, but the main goal here is that she is taking action, and eventually things will start to feel better for everybody. Now, Mary is in a very stressful situation because she is in charge of taking care of her beautiful granddaughter, and she is worried all the time when the dog is nearby. And the dog is worried all the time when the dog is nearby. So this was one strategy of many that we are implementing to try to help this dog to feel better about being included in her role as a caregiver for her granddaughter. Parenting kids and dogs at the same time is a lot to manage. Between hygiene of the kids, of the dog, and of your house, along with other daily tasks like going to work and getting everybody to school, It can feel completely overwhelming, and sometimes you can feel paralyzed because you just don't know what to do. So, first of all, I want to make sure that you know that there is help available from professionals like me who can help you navigate through this journey. So you don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to go through the million resources on the internet and try to figure out who you can trust. There are people out there who have experience parenting kids and dogs at the same time. Or you can come to me and I would be honored to help you. But second of all, if you get some good ideas from this podcast or my other materials or maybe from another YouTube video somewhere, I'm going to encourage you to take imperfect action, because taking any steps is going to get you further than taking no steps at all. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on the podcast app of your choice. For ongoing support, get on the waitlist for the Pooch Parenting Society, where I share training tips, activities, and coaching so families with dogs can live in harmony. By signing up at safekidsanddogs.com, you'll be the first to know when I open registration again for new members.